Glad you're with us today. We're starting a brand new series called Rocky Roads. And for some of us, it's going to be a little bit difficult because it's going to take us to places that we've kind of left buried uh, for a while. And then for others of us, it's going to be a freeing experience because we're going to deal with some things that we've needed to deal with for a while. Um, but the truth is, is that people are complicated and life gets messy. And so we're going to do this series called Rocky Roads for when we don't know uh, what to do. And so I want you to go on a journey with me. I want you to pretend that you are a part of a, a large company and you've been hired and the position that you're in is really one of, uh, one that's just not that important and you're, you're kind of overlooked and to a degree disregarded, but, but then one day it's like the favor of God starts to shine on you and then things start to happen in your world. Miraculous things start to happen and you start to get promoted and that continues over a period of a, of a few years. You're young and up and coming now and now you're seen as a bit of a leader and then there's a day that comes where the, the board comes to you and they ask you if you'll be the president uh, of the company, if you'll take over leadership of the entire company and you have basically come from nowhere, but they can see that there's something special in you, and also other employees can see that God is doing something special in you. But the problem is, is that the company is a dumpster fire. So you have inherited a dumpster fire, and you're called to lead this thing. So you put your hand to the plow. You start working. Some of you, this is very familiar. Um, anyway, <laughs> so you put your hand to the plow, and it starts to come around. Like the company starts to, to grow. The culture of the company starts to change. It becomes a very healthy place to work. Matter of fact, people want to work there. And you're seeing that underneath your leadership, there are people that have been given opportunity and it's literally changed the course of their life and the, the trajectory of their entire family. And so you're finding meaning and satisfaction in that. The company expands its territory and it is very prosperous. And the one thing that you're excited about is that there's going to come a day where you can bring your kids into this situation and potentially hand it over to them. And then they can take it further and farther and faster than you ever were able to do. And you're, you want to give that to them. And you're in your office and you're excited about the workplace and what is happening all around you. And the door opens and your son walks in. Next to him is one of your most trusted advisors. And your son looks at you and he says, Dad, I'm taking over. And your most trusted advisor looks at you and said, the board has been meeting secretly and we've decided that your services are no longer needed here. What do you do in a moment like that? How do you respond to that? Because you look across your desk and it's your son, and it's one of your closest advisors and counselors and a friend of yours, a guy that you've shared meals with, you brought him into your house, and both of them are betraying you. The story that I'm talking about is more of a modern spin on exactly what happened to David when he was running the nation of Israel. It struck him so deeply and so uh, aggressively that 
the Psalms really give us a picture of what he felt like. Because in that moment when he realized that some of his best friends and his son in particular was trying, they were trying to take over the kingdom, it cut him deeply. And he said these words. He said, man, I, I wish that I had wings like a dove so that I could fly away, far, far away. And for King David, it's not necessarily what happened to him. It's who did it to him that really, really gets to him. Because the closer the relationship, the greater the pain of betrayal. It's not the people who throw rocks from the bleachers that get us. It's the ones that we've walked through life with that we have loved and that we thought loved us. Those are the ones when they turn against us, they shake our world to the core. Oh, that I, oh, that I had wings that I could fly far, far away, he says in Psalm chapter 55. And then he says these words, and I love how the Bible gives us this picture of what's happening behind the scenes. It's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. This is David talking. Instead, it is you. It's my equal, my companion, and close friend. So you can feel the pain in him as he's writing this text of scripture. And then he said, what good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together in the house of God. And he's like, I could handle it if it was an enemy or somebody coming against me like that. But you and I, we've loved each other along the path of life. You and I, matter of fact, we used to go to church together. And David is wrestling with the pain of betrayal. And so what do you do when a loved one betrays you? It's one of the most painful things to process when a trusted friend betrays us. It's painful because in our deeper relationships, and Jesus had deep relationships. You look at his circle. He had the the uh, crowd, and then he had the 12, and then he had the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and then he had John with him as well. When our inner circle in particular betrays us, soul ties are cut. Like we were knit together, and yet this betrayal severs those soul ties. It makes it hard for us to even think about trusting someone at that level ever again. And this is, the, this is the interesting thing. It causes awkwardness in external relationships, right? Because you used to be close with this person and your relationships are established that are kind of all around that relationship. And there are ripple effects that go through those external relationships as well. Those ripple effects even go through your family and through your kids. And sometimes when there were betrayals that happened in my life, the hardest conversations were the ones that I had to have with my kids, especially when they were very, very young. And it feels like death. Betrayal can feel like death because it is. Something dies that day. And we've all been betrayed by someone that we loved and trusted. And when it happened, we were immediately probably surprised, 
hurt, and then there was this feeling of, I'm strangely unequipped to deal with the emotions that I'm having. And King David is going through this rough patch of betrayal, and how he dealt with it, I think, is really something that can be helpful to help us deal with it when we go through it as well. So the question is, is what is the, the backstory? When you look into this backstory, it's movie quality. I wish somebody would make a movie about this section of King David's life because King David is ruling the nation of Israel. He is prosperous when he uh, tries anything from an economic perspective. He's successful in war. He's expanded the kingdom. He's successful in governing because the people have never felt more secure than they did under David's leadership. It's peaceful, and the nation of Israel is thriving. David would eventually be handing the leadership over to his sons, and he probably looked forward to great, with great anticipation to that day when that would happen, and now Absalom, his son, has risen up, and he wants the throne for himself, and he wants the throne now. Can you imagine how that must have felt? Absalom began undermining his father's authority. He sets up this insurrection in a town called Hebron. And Hebron is the hometown that he grew up in. Absalom would run the streets of Hebron when he was a younger, younger kid. David would move the capital from Hebron to, to Jerusalem. And the people of Hebron weren't really excited about that. So there was this spirit of discontentment that was there. And Absalom would capitalize on that. He'd set himself up as a benevolent judge to the people. And he would win their hearts over because there was this spirit of discontent with David as the leader. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 6, it says, Absalom stole the hearts of the people of Israel. David has no idea this is going on, and this is a calculated thing that he's doing. It's a very strategic thing that he's doing. That's what would make this betrayal so painful because it's calculated and it's strategic. And when we step back from a betrayal and we see it as being calculated and strategic, it hurts all the more. For four years, Absalom is planning his insurrection. Four years later, after he sets himself up as a judge, he comes back to, to Hebron, it says in the text, to offer sacrifices. That's the excuse he gave his father, he takes 200 men from Jerusalem with him into Hebron. And here's the thing, the 200 men, they don't even know that they're a part of something bigger. And a lot of times there are casualties that are around us that don't know what's really even happening in our world when betrayal takes place. They knew nothing of Absalom's intentions. Absalom, he sends out these messengers to all the different cities and towns to stir up, it says in the Bible, a rebellion against his father. He gives them this message. He says, as soon as you hear the ram's horn, read this message. You are to say, Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. And then here's the sad words in 2 Samuel 15, 12. And the conspiracy grew strong. David didn't even know it was happening behind his back. The conspiracy grew strong, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. Absalom is attempting to steal 
his father's throne. Think about how painful that would be as a dad. To have your son rise up against you in that fashion. Think about the thoughts that would go through your head. How terrible is this? Where did I go wrong that my son would do this to me? And then the next thought would be worse than that thought. The next thought would be, what terrible thing am I going to have to do as a dad to regain my throne? Those are the emotions that David is feeling. How could my, how could my son and one of my best friends betray me at the same time? Absalom, he sends for one of David's closest friends and trusted advisors. His name's Ahithophel. Ahithophel would help David build the kingdom. He would give him wisdom and counsel along the way. He would help him to be strategic in the decisions that he made. It says in the text of Scripture that, that Ahithophel had such wisdom that when he spoke, it sounded like the words of God were actually coming from him. He was so wise. David had relied on him for years, and now Absalom calls for him, and he sides with Absalom in this insurrection. This is what David can't understand. How could this happen? This is why David wanted to just sprout wings and fly away, and when a betrayal comes our direction, that's what you want to do. You just want to sprout wings and, and fly away. So then you ask the question, well, why did Ahithophel, why did he betray David? Well, if you go into the Bible, the story behind the story is pretty incredible. Ahithophel had a granddaughter, and his granddaughter's name was Bathsheba. And if you remember the story of David, you remember that in David's life, that he'd called for Bathsheba to come to the palace, and he used his position of authority. He had sexual relations with her, and he took her eventually to be his wife. David, going from bad to worse, would, in the process, have her husband, Uriah the Hittite, a, a valiant general. He would have his generals put Uriah on the front lines of the battle and then withdraw the troops so that Bathsheba's husband would be killed so that he could marry her. And because of that, this root of bitterness would grow inside of Ahithophel's heart. It would stay there. And we look at the situation and we go, and rightfully so, right? But this root of bitterness was there. And so when Absalom is like, hey, do you want to join the revolution? He was like, certainly, put my name first on the list. And this was his opportunity to get even with David. And so the betrayal and the insurrection, it begins. And so we ask that big question, how do we get past betrayal? Betrayal of a, of a friend, it's a, it's a soul violation. It, it, it goes to the core of who we are. Betrayal can cause emotional trauma inside of our heart in our life. And one's betrayal, it can be magnified because there were times along the path of life that those people that we love the most, we expose ourselves emotionally to them. They know us at a deeper level than anyone else 
does. And betrayal, it can destroy trust if we let it. And some of us, there's been a betrayal in our life, and it's a deep betrayal, and it's infected our life. It's kept us from moving forward in certain areas of our life. And the thing that has kept us from moving forward is the why behind it. We can't understand the why. And I talk to people often that are kind of stuck in spots where somebody who's crazy did something crazy to them, and then they can't understand what happened or, or connect with that, okay? Have, have you ever had someone crazy do something crazy to you? Just me? I'm the only one that crazies go after, okay? You have to step back from a situation like that and go, you know what? And this is what I say often. I said, you're not gonna be able to understand why crazy did what they did because you're not crazy. You'll never be able to connect with that. You'll never understand why someone who is bitter is doing what they're doing because a root of bitterness hasn't taken over your heart and your life and so you can't connect with that. You can't understand that, but you can, we can move past that. How does David move past betrayal? We give the betrayal to God, that's what David did. He gives the betrayal to God. This is what he says in Psalm chapter 55, he said, but I will call on, the, on God and the Lord will what? Rescue me. Morning and night, this is how he does it, because you have to keep on giving it. Morning and night, it says, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord what? Hears. The Lord, it says in the text of Scripture, is close to the brokenhearted. So morning and night, when you're crying out, in the, middle of the, in the middle of those morning hours where everybody else is sleeping, and this is on your mind, cry out to the Lord. Give the betrayal to God. And then David gives us this rough patch prayer that I want to be a part of the DNA of our life for the next 30 days. And so he writes this prayer. It's in Psalm chapter 25, verses four and five. I want you to get out your phones if you would, please. Just get out, get out your phones. It's not unspiritual. Just get out your phones, okay? It's unspiritual if you stay on it, but just get out your phones. Find that little icon there that looks like a camera, okay? Find the camera, okay? And I want us to look at this. I want us to take a picture of this passage of Scripture. This is, this is the prayer that David prayed in Psalm chapter 25. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who what? Saves me. All day long I what? I put my hope in you. I want us for the next 30 days to pray this prayer. Every single day, I took this passage of scripture and I printed it out and I put it on my computer so that every time I open up my computer, it's right there. How do you get past betrayal? You give the betrayal to God. We start with prayer. Show me the right path. Point out the right road for me to follow is what he says. Give me your wisdom. And then we surrender control. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves. And then we don't try to scramble or make things happen. We put our hope in God. All day long, he said, I put my hope in you. And that, my friends, is a decision. I'm gonna trust you, God, with this betrayal. I'm gonna put my hope in you. We're gonna give God the betrayal 
And then secondly, we're gonna give God the pain of the betrayal. Psalm 55, verse number 22, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. Give your burdens to the Lord, he'll take care of you. And then there is this promise. He will not permit the godly to what? Slip and fall. He promises his abiding presence to uphold us and sustain us, especially in the most difficult patches and places in life. And God knows the pain of betrayal. So don't point your finger up to the heavens and say, God doesn't understand what we're going through because he certainly does. There's a word that describes God. God is what? Love. And God loved the world so much that he sent his son. How did the world respond to the love of God when they sent his son to earth? He knows the pain of betrayal. David speaks of his betrayal in Psalm chapter 41. And he said, even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one, get this, get this section, the one who the one who shared my food has turned against me. The one who sat at my table. You know what's interesting about this line? That someone would use it 2,000 years later. His name was Jesus. And Jesus, he goes into the Last Supper. He's washing the feet of the disciples. He's knowing that Judas is about to betray him. Most scholars see Ahithophel and, and Judas as the same type of character. Ahithophel is the type of Judas. And just as David's counselors and companion betrayed him, so did Jesus' disciple Judas. After Jesus washed Judas' feet, he said to him these words in John chapter 13. He who shared my bread, notice how similar this is with David's. He who shared my bread has turned against me. Jesus knows the pain of betrayal. Both Ahithophel and Judas were trusted friends who betrayed their friend. They're both people who sided with a plot to have their king killed. And they both eventually ended up hanging themselves. Ahithophel would eventually go out and hang himself because of the remorse from the situation. And Ahithophel and Judas would both go down in history as traitors. But for us, we will, as the text talks about, give our burdens to the Lord. Because he's going to take care of us. And he won't permit godly people to slip and fall. Paul talks about our human interactions and how complicated they can be and how there are times in our life when we want to get even. And he says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a, a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. And then he goes further and he says, do all that you can do to live at peace with everyone. And then he says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, 
says the Lord. Instead, this is the hard part. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Furthermore, he says, in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And he says, don't let evil conquer you. That's what makes us different than the world. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing what is good. God's going to take care of us. God will take care of them. How do we get past the pain of betrayal? We give it to God. We give the betrayal to God. And then the other piece of it is that we give people the grace that we've been given. I am far from perfect. You don't have to say amen to that. You don't have to agree with that. I'm far from perfect. So are you. I know the hole that God pulled me out of. I know the thoughts that run through my head on a daily basis when I drive. I know that there are massive flaws inside of my heart, in my life, that God is continually dealing with inside of me. But I've been given a lot of grace. So have you. You and I need to give the same grace that we have been given. And some of us are stuck because some friend or family member betrayed us. And we're stuck because we want them to make it right. There's a good shot that they can't make it right or won't make it right this side of eternity. Let's stop letting what's fair and what's right keep us from doing what's fair and what's right. Because as believers, we're called to rise above it. This is what the psalmist said in Psalm 103, 8 through 12. He said, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to, angry, to anger and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor will he remain angry with us forever. He does not punish us, punish us as our sins deserve. He does not deal harshly with us. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. How do we get past the pain of betrayal? We give the betrayal to God. We give the pain of betrayal to God. And we give others the grace that we have been given. Listen, to do this requires the supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit. This last song that we're going to sing talks about how much we need the Lord. And for some of us with a betrayal that we've held pretty close into our heart and our life that we haven't let go of, now might be a time where we give that betrayal to the Lord. We give the pain of the betrayal to the Lord and we open ourselves up to being people of grace.